Welcome back, everyone, to Scary Podcast You Can Listen To in the Dark. I'm David Dykus. And I'm Eli Phillips. Hello. And that's not actually the name of this podcast. This is called You Scared of This Shit. Uh, it is a weekly podcast where the two of us watch every single episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then talk about it, break it down. I don't know. Did I cover all the bases there, Eli? Yeah, we, is that it? we strictly talk. We don't do anything more than talk about it and break it down. We save all the additional things that we do for our premium users. That's right. Patreon exclusive. Such as erotic reenactments. <laughs> Are you aroused in the dark? <laughs> or, the answer is always Or as yes. we call it, you aroused by this shit. <laughs> anyway, we are back from a brief holiday. Uh, should we discuss anything that happened during the interim? Yeah, we took two weeks off because it was Thanksgiving and I got married. Yay! Congratulations, Eli. Yay, thank you, David, and thank you, everyone who, who sent me sweet messages and joined me and all of that, and and my wife. Thank, thank you, Cheyenne, for marrying me. All right, now that that's all out of the way, let's get down to business. Yeah, important stuff. This week, we return to form with the tale of the nightly neighbors. Eli, tell us a little bit about this episode. Yeah, episode eight of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors was directed by Jake's, Jake Payet, Jacques. J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. I never know how to pronounce that. Uh, pay it. Did you what? take French in high school? Yeah. Yeah, I did take French in high school. And that was more than 10 years ago. This episode was directed by Chlo- Chloe Brown. I'm sorry, that was a dumb joke. Chloe Brown, who has written almost every episode of this show so far, it seems. Uh, and this episode first aired on October 10th, 1992. When Columbus sailed the ocean blue. There's your Wikipedia wrap-up. So... The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors, Episode 8, um, is a very good return to form in that it opens without anything special or fancy or weird. Um, it opens with the Midnight Society around the campfire like they should be. Yeah, they're having sort of an odd philosophical discussion about the stories that they tell. Uh, it feels very stilted, but they're talking about why do we tell sc- scary stories in the dark? Why do we always tell scary stories at night? I mean, if they're scary, they should be just as scary during the day, right? No way. Things are always scarier at night. They ask, is it possible to be as scared in the day as you are at night? And are stories scarier at night? Um, I really like this discussion because as they're going around, everyone speaks and everyone sort of exhibits the character traits that we've been observing throughout every episode of the show so far. So it was really nice to see uh, David is sincere. And you can't see things at night. Yeah, Kiki sort of makes a prank. Yeah, like some ghoul could sneak up on you in the dark and you wouldn't know until it was too late. <laughs> yeah. We get the usual rapport between Eric and Frank. So who's going tonight? I am. Oh, man. What's the matter? You always tell the same kind of story. It's kind of gross, but everyone always lives happily ever after. Boring. So what's your problem? You're kind of gross and boring, too. Eric acts like a complete and total douchebag, which of course I loved. Why do they keep him around? I mean, spoiler alert, we won't be seeing him for too much longer. But why do you think the Midnight Society puts up with this? Yeah, has Eric told a... Eric hasn't actually told a full story yet, has he? No! We are eight episodes in. We've had enough episodes now that everyone could have told at least one, and he has told two minutes worth of a story. He did tell the best two minutes possible, though. Was that how he, like, sold himself to to Gary? Eric, you've got two minutes to impress me. What do you got? 
If if I could get a prequel of the show, that would be the one thing I would want to see is how the fuck they let Eric into the group. What made them want to keep this total D-bag around? Getting back on track, they go around the, the uh, campfire discussing this. We learn that it's Betty Ann's turn to tell the story, and she says something to the effect of... You can be scared during the day, but don't bother. As if being scared is something you have to, like, go out of your way to be. Yeah, Betty Ann is always an interesting character because she seems to be obsessed with fear and scary stories and all of this. In the episode where Eric told his his scary two minutes, Betty Ann was, like, actively, enthusiastically cheering on how terrified they all were. Oh, yeah! Excellent! Betty Ann is just, like, weirdly into the supernatural, so this discussion was a great thing to happen in the opening of a Betty Ann episode. Yeah, it works very much with the character. Eric calls her out for allegedly telling the same kind of story every time. He says, your stories are always kind of gross with a feel-good ending. Which I thought was interesting because nothing about the tale of laughing in the dark was kind of gross, except for the pot full of cigarettes, maybe, or a pot full of cigars. That was the grossest thing we've seen on the show so far. Well, yeah, actually, I guess when you point that out, it was the grossest, like... A, a pot full of spaghetti and smoked cigars was pretty gross, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that made it a gross story. Betty Ann does not take this too hard. She begins her story. She begins... Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. And so, right off the bat, we've talked a little bit about the names of these characters uh, within the the stories yeah we've had a who's who of terrible names and i will i'll point out that like we had buzz and denny in the first episode which i thought were sort of silly but in the second episode we had ouija and that was also a betty ann name oh betty ann tops herself this week uh our story begins uh with day day toll <laughs> eating popcorn day day d i'm looking at the are you afraid of the dark wiki that's d-a-y d-a-y day day toll Eating popcorn and watching, like, a black-and-white horror movie in his basement. And Day Day Toll, actually, now that I think about it, sounds like the name of a comedic relief character in Star Wars or something. Like, the saddest <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> Readers, if you want to send in your Day Day Toll Jedi fan heart, uh, that's youscaredtheshit at gmail.com. Oh, man, I will change my profile picture to some good Day Day Toll fan art. Be sure to include his bad hair. His weird, like, flat mullet it's like if caesar had a mullet so we meet data he's watching a scary movie and we're quickly introduced to the second of our <clears throat> two young protagonists uh his sister emma <coughs> emma comes up scares him pours an entire bucket of popcorn over him <laughs> after this brief introduction uh they hear a noise outside we see the two kids look out the window this is the dead of night and they see people moving in across the street there are people loading or unloading like big wooden crates and bags and things into the house and the two of them comment that it's very odd for new neighbors to move in at night which i'm going to point out i had to do one time i drove across the country and when i ended up in texas it was two o'clock in the morning so sometimes you just have to unload all your furniture at night kids back off the more you know yeah stupid kids they look outside, and they're trying to determine what's going on, and they see the uh, the family, who they presume is going to be living in the house. It's a family of three, and they're all dressed like the nihilists from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, they look like mimes. Day-Day has a somewhat amusing line. He, uh, they're trying to figure out why they would possibly be dressed like that. Uh, Emma goes, maybe they're artists or diplomats. 
Maybe he goes. Or maybe they got dressed in the dark. I don't know. They look stupid. So the next day, uh, Emma and Day Day go over uh, to investigate what's going on. They talk to a moving guy who's hauling these gigantic, heavy crates over to the house. The guy says there's two of them and that they are refrigerators. Must have wanted these refrigerators pretty bad if they ordered them when they were still in Russia. Which seems unusual, but not not anything supernatural. Although, at this point, are you already, as an adult human being who sees a scary story about people in black outfits moving into a house in the middle of the night, are you already assuming that these people are vampires? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you wonder if maybe they weren't refrigerators? Here's the thing. I remembered this episode from the 90s. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, I remembered a few specific lines from this one, which was which is the first time that's happened in a few episodes. But no, even if I didn't remember as a kid, this is very obvious misdirection. Right, yeah. They they start they they play the suspicious music quite a bit. Come on. That's weird. What? Their cars here. They got to be home. Why didn't they answer the door? Uh, as the kids are investigating, so that whenever something seems mundane, you immediately accept the fact that it is probably not. Uh, we get another quick scene after this where... Uh, no, 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 don't don't rush ahead yet, because I want to talk to you about this moving guy. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk about uh, Mario here. Nobody home? Leave him in the driveway. See ya. Okay, fans, as you know, or as you might know, I like to sort of research the people involved in these episodes. I've talked a lot about, like... Uh, who the actors are, if they've ever done anything relevant, and I keep track of who writes and directs every episode. Uh, I I sort of like to pay attention to those things. So I looked up this episode, and the girl who plays Emma, she is listed on IMDb for her work in the movie Billy Madison, which I thoroughly enjoyed uh, when it first came out. I watched Billy Madison all the time, and that is one of her credits, so I got excited about that. She is in about two seconds of Billy Madison as a sulky teenager with, like, dyed sort of punk hair. Because you're a loser? I don't know from these rights. And chlorophyll helps a chloroplast. No, I will not make out with you! <laughs> so I thought that was funny. And then I looked up everyone else, and the only person with a more interesting IMDb uh, uh, attribution or credit was this guy right here. And do you, do you want to take a guess at what he might have done, Dykus? Play Super Mario in the Super Mario Brothers movie? <laughs> I also would have accepted play uh, Cliff's brother on an episode of Cheers. I can see it. What was it? If I told you that he played a president, which president do you think he would play? Ooh. Um, just if I had to guess, Roosevelt? It's Nixon. He played Nixon. When did he play Nixon? I'm, I'm glad you asked. He was Nixon in the... 2014 hit X-Men Days of Future Past when they travel to the 70s. Whoa. <laughs> Which I thought was really weird that this delivery man on Are You Afraid of the Dark grew up to be President Nixon. Yeah, if you want to picture this guy at home, imagine like a kind of doughy white blue collar guy with like a receding hairline and a bad mustache. Or better yet, yeah. save your imagination the work and just watch the episode on YouTube like we did. This concludes uh, our IMD research portion of the Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. Moving onwardly, uh, the next scene shows uh, the two siblings walking back to their house. We meet the mailman. The mailman gets tackled by the kid's mother as she's walking out the door. Uh, to make a long story short, their local mail guy says that he's come down with some kind of illness. He has uh, He's fatigued, he has no energy, uh, and he has a very noticeable bandage on his neck. 
One of those really big bandages. We don't get a scream take, but we do get a very dramatic zoom in to Emma's face as she notices the bandage. Yep. And the mailman tells them that he feels as weak as a kitten. I may cut this part, but there's a there's a very kind of awkward phrase here where he says, like, you know, the new neighbors came over to my house t- the other night. That's the night I'll never forget. <laughs> yep. And the kids are like, why, were they strange or something? He says, oh, that was the night I got sick. It's like, wait a minute. You're never you sound going- like You sound like Teddy from, from uh, Bob's Burgers. Hey, Bob, I met the new neighbors the other night. I'll never forget that night. <laughs> really? Why is that, Teddy? I was the night you got Were sick. Vampires? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna remember the night you got sick forever? Bob! I've never been sick before. <laughs> really? That's a weird that's a weird thing, Teddy. I'm a very strong immune system. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't just forget every other time no, you got no, sick? No 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 no. <laughs> I would never forget getting sick. That's why I said that. <laughs> This concludes the What If Are You Afraid of the Dark We're Bob's Burgers portion of our episode. (laughs) After that scene, uh, we get a moment where uh, Betty Ann starts narrating the story again. Uh, We see the neighbors come out and haul in their refrigerators. Emma continues spying on them throughout the next couple of days. Uh, We return to the story very briefy to meet Lex, the neighbor's child. All in a very life. awkward scene, right? Like, very odd. Lex really steals the show in this episode, because even though this is the only scene where he speaks, he immediately cements himself as the worst actor in the history of the show. Hello. <gasps> Can I come in and play? Um, it's kind of late. Maybe some other time. This scene highlights a weird thing that is happening throughout this entire episode, which is... Scenes that are only lit by, like, one strong but very narrowly focused spotlight. Yeah. I noticed it first when when uh, you would think that, that would be something that they would use only in the vampire scenes to make the vampires glow. And they do. They do use it to that effect. But they even use it in the opening when we are hanging out with the Midnight Society. Normally, the area around the Midnight Society is pretty well lit, and you can see that they are in, like, a clearing in the woods. In this episode, even though you... I'm sure they're filming in the same spot they always do. The light is very narrowly focused. It's just one spotlight on the center of the screen. And it's such a weird it's such a weird choice that I've not seen in any other episode of the show. And the scene with Lex and the scenes directly following that are make it really apparent that that's this weird thing they're doing. Uh, I appreciate that Jacques Payette uh, at least has his own style. Yeah, this definitely has a visual style separate from any other episode that we've seen so far. Betty Ann returns to uh, narrating. She does a voiceover where she explains that soon everyone in town was afflicted with the same the same illness as the mailman, where they're lethargic and they have very obvious wounds on their necks. People were losing their energy. It was like an epidemic going around, but no one knew what it was. And it started the same night the bronze moved in. Things seemed very strange indeed. Yeah, it's weird that absolutely no one else starts to pursue anything relating to this, or, or like, no one gets suspicious about it, because uh, we get a shot of everyone walking around in the park in the middle of the day. Like, it has to be the entire town, and they're all just walking around like zombies with big band-aids on their necks, going, man, I feel kind of sick. Is it even worth pointing out how stupid that is? <laughs> I mean, it's stupid for multiple reasons. Like... They all shared one big box of Band-Aids, 
And then they all just walked around together and were like, hmm, guess I got uh, two, guess I punctured my neck. Oh, I guess you punctured your, punctured your neck too. We cut to a dream sequence where we're told this is the moment where Emma puts all the pieces together. It's taken her days, weeks now to understand, but yep. we just say this is probably the scariest part of the episode. I think so, yeah. We get a very stylized dream sequence where Emma dreams that she's in bed, her windows open, and we get this very kind of like old Hollywood gothic scene of the man from next door. Mr. Braun. Mr. Yeah. Braun. Family is named the Brauns. We see Mr. Braun rise from a plume of smoke, vanish into smoke himself, and then reappear right at Emma's bedside, mouth agape, fangs ready to pierce her neck. It's very Nosferatu. It's very Nosferatu, and it's it's not genuinely scary to me as an adult, but it's very stylized and probably the most effective part of the entire episode. So having had this revelation, Emma bursts from her bed and runs into Day-Day's room, wakes him up, uh, explains to him that the neighbors are vampires. I know what's wrong with the bronze. Me too, they have a crazy neighbor. You. He does not buy this at all. Fortunately, Emma has a, an explanation prepared and just the tool to illustrate that explanation because Day-Day has a gigantic map of the world on his wall. You say that like that's unusual? <laughs> Emma explains that the neighbors are nocturnal. You know, they have all these unusual habits. They are supposedly from the Ukraine, which is near all those Ia places. Romania, Bulgaria, Transylvania. And she's able to illustrate this using this massive map on the, uh, on the side of Day-Day's room. Do you think this was Frank's doing again? <laughs> How is she possibly going to explain to him where all of these places are? Do you think Betty Ann's sitting there going, and then Emma turned and gestured at the map on the wall? Frank goes, wait, 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 what kind of map? <laughs> it's a map of the world. <laughs> the world is pretty big, Betty Ann. <laughs> Betty Ann go, says, go the, on. The only thing here is, I have to assume now that I know so much about Betty Ann, she must have been like, really enthusiastic about this crowdsourcing of her story like yeah you're right the world is really big and frank's like well then you'd need a big map wouldn't you and she's like oh my god you would everyone else is just rolling their eyes <laughs> eric is just like pulling out a flask and taking a swig yeah. <laughs> he gets up and leaves do we see him again for the rest of the episode uh yeah we do we, we cut back to the minute of the sighting in just a minute. Oh, that's right, and he does have a flask. Anyway, Emma explains that they must be vampires, and she's going to get to the bottom of this one way or the other. She says that she's going to break into their house and find their coffins. Which, children, it's not a good idea to break into anyone's house. It's definitely not a good idea to break into someone's house if they're a vampire. Lastly, children, it's not a good idea to listen to an adult podcast with swear words in it. You shouldn't be here. Take those earbuds out. Get the fuck out. We get a commercial break, and we cut back to the Midnight Society around the campfire as we cut back to Eric pouring himself a glass of red liquid from a thermos. Wine. We can say it. He's getting wine drunk. Everyone at the Midnight Society is getting wine drunk, except for Kristen, who passes it to Kiki. Uh, and Kiki takes a swig directly from the bottle. They're all, they all have full wine glasses in their hand, and they're passing around, like, 
a kid's lunchbox thermos, this yellow thermos, and they're pouring red liquid out of it. And when it gets to Kiki, she just tips it back like a pro. She knows she's in for a long night. Returning to the story, the story proper, it's at this point that the narratives kind of diverge. We follow uh, Emma as she goes to investigate the neighbor's house, and we follow Dede as the neighbors come and visit him. And Emma has given Dede very specific instructions. We're safe as long as you remember one thing. A vampire can't come into someone's home unless it's been invited. So never, ever invite the bronze inside. Got it? Yeah. Adhere to all the regular rules of, like, vampirism. Which I really appreciated that Betty Ann knows all of the rules for vampires and worked them into her story without, like, without the kids going to the library and opening a dusty old book and reading aloud the rules for vampires. She just assumed that everyone knew how vampires worked. Don't invite them into your house because they can't come in if you don't invite them. They don't like crosses. She just built all of that in as the part of the logic of the world that this story takes place in. It's a nice touch. Very, very Betty Ann. Emma has also stocked up on, like, garlic and all sorts of other uh, folk remedies for warding off a vampire. Folk tchotchkes. And so she goes over to the neighbor's house to break into the basement and find whatever they have hidden there. Now, you might think to yourself, how can a, a, you know, middle school, high school girl break into someone's basement? Surely it's locked, right? That's not going to stop Emma, because she is a master locksmith. If I can crack him at school, I can crack him here. And crack them she does. She's just cracking locks like it's nothing. Crack them like like they're eggs. <laughs> That's something you crack. So she descends to the basement and begins looking. Meanwhile, the neighbors actually invite themselves over to uh, the kid's house. Hello, we are your new neighbors. Might we come in? They ask if they can come in. And Day Day... In what must have just been a brain fart, immediately says, yeah, sure. Uh, sure, come on in. I think he's doing it to buy his sister time. If he says no, they can't come in, then the vampires are going to find his sister in their basement and eat her. He quickly comes to his senses and says, no, you can't come in, my dad's not here. The dad apparently also works nights. Uh, But the mom, realizing what's happening, immediately invites the family in. Oh, no. So if you un if you uninvite a vampire, can they not come in? Like once you've inv- invited a vampire in, can you be like, vampire, I retract that invitation, and then they just have to leave and they can't come in again? I don't I don't want to dwell on uh, Emma's half of the story at this point for too long. It's just her sort of slowly making her way through the basement. She does crack multiple locks. Over at the house, we watch Day Day and the kid's mom. Uh, get introduced to the the Brahms, and the Brahms are very, very obviously vampires. Don't worry, Dede. Now that we've been invited, I promise you we'll be back. My favorite part of this entire sequence uh, is the reaction shots of Dede. Whenever the the vampire parents say something suspicious or spooky or ominous, it cuts back to just a completely flat shot of Dede with like a look of confused concern on his face like the actor doesn't really know how to convey this emotion i like to imagine that jakes gave him the direction and then we immediately cut to a hard shot of the kid doing his best kevin McAllister impersonation and just slapping his hands to his cheeks and screaming <laughs> and the director's like no 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 dial it back dial it back dial it back <laughs> and they just keep doing that until eventually we just get this like confused maybe i have to fart look from day day <laughs> counting back to the other narrative emma has found what she's looking for she throws back a sheet covering the the huge 
objects in the basement and finds that, dun-dun-dun, they are refrigerators. Uh, the Bronze leave the, the family's house, but they say that since they've been invited, they'll be back very soon. And Day-Day runs over to warn Emma. And together, the two of them open up the refrigerators to see what's in. And, oh my god, they're full of blood. Say or wine, it's hard to tell. Yeah, they're full of jar, like not jars. They're full of like glass bottles of red liquid. Yep. Yeah, not not what you traditionally keep plasma in. I don't think. No, not not the bags that you would see at a, a blood drive or whatever. It's more like you went to Whole Foods and bought like a raspberry lemonade or something. Yeah. It's blood. The kids run back to the house. Dede is convinced. They both believe that they are their neighbors are vampires. And so Emily determines that there's only one course of action now. She's going to murder them. She is going to murder their neighbors. Tomorrow after school, before it's dark, we gotta get them before they get us. <laughs> I have to personally murder our neighbors with my hands. So the kids have their plan. They're going to sneak over during the day and stake the vampires. Because vampires are asleep during the day. And so in a very tense scene, we see them sneak over into the basement. They pick a few more locks. They almost get caught by someone descending down the stairs. I want to point out that this scene is, like, really well done in that it's very dramatic. We see uh, Day-Day is, like, holding the flashlight in the basement, and he's nervously shaking his hands. And you get close-ups of Emma trying to crack the combination lock. And she she's having more trouble than she had before. And we get close-ups of the door to the basement, and uh, you can see someone's shadow underneath it on the other side. We see the doorknob like slowly turn as the door starts to open. It's one of the best directed scenes in this entire episode. Yeah, it's very atmospheric. They'd let the action tell the story more so than any <clears throat> hokey dialogue. Uh, it's good. Realizing that one of the people they've assumed was a vampire has come out during the day, both kids... Uh, evacuate the basement, they go back outside, they encounter the Brahm parents, and immediately throw up their, uh, their crucifixes at them, telling them to get back. Hello, children. <laughs> you must be Dede's sister, Emma. The parents kind of laugh this off. Yeah, they're good sports about it. Uh, they explain that they're no longer working nights anymore. Thank goodness. They get to work days, and that's why they're out in the daytime. And just as sort of an afterthought, the parents ask if their son, Lex, can come over and play video games tonight. And since the kids realize this was all just a hilarious misunderstanding, they say, yes, sure. Also, the parents clarify that they work for the hospital, and that's why they have all this blood. It's blood from the hospital. They have a surplus, and we've been storing the extra units here for them. Hospitals never have surpluses of blood. There's a constant yeah. blood shortage. Maybe, I don't know, it was a different time. What, in the 90s when people just couldn't get rid of their blood fast enough? It was weird how much blood we all had in the 90s. You remember that? I mean, I guess I was just too young to remember the early 90s, just how much blood I had going through me. You had a lot of blood, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so, the parents, uh, they take their they take an extra crate full of blood jars back into the house, and the kids... Go back over to their house saying, oh, it was all one big misunderstanding. I guess they're not vampires after all. But there are still a few more minutes left in this episode, so there must be some kind of creepy epilogue. And indeed, we follow the parents back into the house. Uh, They go down to the basement. 
They know fully well that the kids have broken in and, and rummaged around, but they say it doesn't matter. For tonight, their master is going to feed. And they open up a door in the wall to reveal their master. And it's their kid, Lex. Ooh. And no one believes that the little boy can be a vampire. <laughs> and his eyes open and he gasps and we see giant fangs. And then we get a quick uh, wrap up at the Midnight Society. There's no funny banter. Betty Ann puts a, a weird postscript on her story. A poem, right? With ghosts and ghouls, there are no rules. But a vampire's bite only comes at night. The end. Yeah, we get, we get one satisfying shot of Eric looking positively terrified, which I appreciate. He got his. He got his comeuppance. That's what he gets for shitting on Betty Ann like that. She showed him. So that's the episode. That's the the tale of the nightly neighbors. Yeah. What did you think of this one? Um, I enjoyed it. It was. I'm glad we took the break because I feel like I'm not judging this one as harshly against some of the uh, earlier episodes we've watched. But seeing this with sort of fresh eyes, it was fun. Yeah. I was saying earlier that if I was going to recommend an episode to someone, this feels like a good episode to recommend. And. Uh, like it's kind of scary it's kind of funny it has good moments inside of the story and good moments with the midnight society but it doesn't require any prior knowledge or anything Uh, i thought overall this was a really great episode i agree i think ridiculous name aside day day and emma are probably two of the more likable characters we've seen in these episodes neither of them is a redheaded bully in a denim jacket are you surprised it took us eight episodes to get our first vampire episode or do you think this is probably just about the right time to start introducing that trope? It's kind of interesting that they went through sort of like some weird, not really traditional horror things before they got to this. Like, it's weird that they saved a vampire episode, but we got the tale of the super specs. And that's not me saying anything bad about the tale of the super specs. I loved it. But vampires seem like something that you would use right out the gate. Yeah, it's a very conventional horror idea, whereas some of the earlier episodes had more of, like, like Super Specs, maybe more like a Twilight Zone paranormal-type theme to them. Yeah, I did appreciate uh, just how classically vampire this episode was without feeling stale. Uh, what did you think of the twist? That shot of Lex in the uh, in the coffin was sort of silly, but I feel like as a child, it might have actually, maybe I'm sort of spoiling our big question here. I feel like that might have actually scared me a little bit uh, as a kid. Just the way that he like gasps and springs to life. Kind of, it really did remind me of, of shots from Nosferatu. So I enjoyed how it was handled. And I enjoyed that there was a twist at all. The fact that the parents, I guess, weren't actually vampires. And they were just taking care of their vampire son, which is in some way even more sinister. It reminds me a little bit of The Tale of the Lonely Ghost, where sort of the horrifying thing about that episode was, you know, a child can be a ghost. A child can undergo this horrible transformation into something inhuman. Uh, And that's sort of what we're seeing in this episode, too, with the final reveal. Yeah. Because the parents say, like, like who would believe a child can be a vampire? But it's like, oh my god, a child is a vampire. Like, what are the implications of that? He has parents that will do anything for him, even bring him the flesh of the living. And the the parents were scary, but the kids just invited the vampire over to play video games with them. That's, you know, uh-oh. Uh-oh, indeed. Now, of course, we do have to ask our most important question. 
So I'm gonna start this one off. Dicus, you scared of this shit? Nah, not not really scared. I was entertained. It's it's I I appreciated a lot of it, but I wasn't really scared of this shit. It's interesting to me that this was an episode that talked so much about how scary things were at night, but so much of it took place during the day. Any scene that didn't directly involve a vampire happened in the daytime. And I feel like maybe we didn't have enough time to be scared of this episode. The dream sequence was was definitely scary. And the shot of the vampire kid at the end might scare some children. But a lot of this episode didn't really give itself time to be scary. The kids were safe in their room planning, or it was daytime and they were outside. I have to say that as a child, I might have been scared of this shit. I'll admit it. The vampire people looked creepy, and a lot of times a creepy image to me was worth more than anything else. I was scared of Zool, or Gozer, excuse me, from Ghostbusters, just because she had red eyes. Are you a god? No. Then... Scary images, especially for some reason black and white things, seemed scarier to me. And since these people were almost black and white in a color universe, I think I probably would have been scared of this shit as a child. And that, coupled with the fact that it was overall a very entertaining episode, I'd say, yeah, I would be scared of this shit. Good job. Good job. Good job, Jakes and Chloe and the Brawns and Richard Nixon. Thank you, Richard Nixon. Good job, Billy Madison. Eli, do you want to tell everyone what's in store for us next week? Next week, we'll review episode one of Bob's Burgers. So you're the health inspector? Yes. Because I think I have some kind of rash or something. I'm not that kind of health inspector. All right, I'm up for that. I mean, hell yeah. Great show. Next week is episode nine of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. So we'll actually be watching Mickey Mouse. Uh, this episode is directed by DJ McHale, one of the executive producers of the show who did The Tale of the Lonely Ghost. All right. And is written by newcomer Steven Zoller. Hmm. So that's very exciting. All right. It's some some fresh blood into the mix. Uh, yeah, fresh blood. Until next week, uh, you can find all of our episodes on our SoundCloud. This is probably how you're listening to this now. You can follow us on social media at facebook.com slash shit and twitter.com slash youscaredofthis. Do we have a Tumblr? We do, but I haven't put anything on it yet. My hope was to get some GIFs of classic moments from the show and put those up. Uh, so I'll let you know when those start to happen. Yeah, we want to stress again, uh, November was a busy month for both of us, especially Eli. And uh, so we've we will get back to our are you scared of this shit duties post haste and we have a lot of exciting stuff uh planned for the next few months so stay tuned and i just want to say if you like what's happening maybe share it with some friends please share it with friends right now we have maybe 15 likes on facebook (laughs) we would love to have your friends we would love to have you and your loved ones uh following our our wacky escapades watching this show invite us into your house so that we may come inside like vampires Until next time. I've been David Dykus. And I'm Eli Phillips. And we declare this meeting of You Scared for This Shit closed. Closed. Sweet dreams, everyone. Closed.